We mentioned this morning that uh, today, tonight, we're going to be starting a new series called Identity. In our society that we live in, identification is required. Identification is required to travel. We recently were on a trip, and when you show up at the airport, the first thing they ask for is, can I have your ID? You know, many times you go to purchase something, and they say, I need a picture ID. So we know that identification is very, very important, even though some people may not really understand (laughs) what it is. Some of you look a little serious, so I'm going to tell you a little joke. (laughs) Yeah, better than the one today. Okay, well, if you weren't here this morning, you missed that one. I'll share it with you later. But there was this guy, and, and don't take offense, everybody know what a hillbilly is. This guy coming down out of the hills of Arkansas, driving this truck. And he was pulled over by a highway patrolman. And the highway patrolman said, sir, do you have any ID? And he said, about what? <laughs> Some of you got that. <laughs> that was pretty good, huh? <clears throat> So anyhow, if we're going to get where we want to go, oftentimes, especially when it pertains to travel, we do have to have our ID. And when you have your identification, you need to protect it. I'm glad you like that over there. Uh, What is one of the major problems in our society today? Moving on to something a little more serious. Identity theft, right? Identity theft is a major issue in our world and society that we live in today. Listen to this. Now, this is not funny, but, you know, and that's not producing fear because we're in faith here. We're feeding our hearts. But just a little stats for you. In 2017, identity fraud study released by some strategy research center found that $16 billion was stolen from 15.4 million American citizens. That's not good, is it? So we're not, you know, we're not promoting fear here. We, but we do encourage you to be vigilant and to be cautious and to keep your ID safe and secure. And don't respond, you know, when it, to every letter or every phone call when people are asking you to release your information. We need to use wisdom. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. If you get a check, then don't yield that information. You know, we've had calls. It's weird. We, we bank with Bank of America and we got a letter and we got a call, call they were wanting. You know, we need to reaffirm all of your information. If you don't give it to us, we're going to close your account. And my husband immediately said, that's not right. We're not calling them. We're not responding to this. And he called Bank America and it was a fraudulent thing. So we have to be diligent. Why are people trying to steal your identification? Well, listen to these definitions of identification and I think it might bring some light. Identification, according to Webster's, is this. To consider or to treat as the same. The same in all qualities under consideration. So thieves try to steal our identity because they want what belongs to us. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
that's the tactics of the devil from the time that man was created. The enemy has tried to steal what God gave to man. Satan wants our authority. Satan wants what we have in Christ Jesus. But just like we put our natural ID in a safe place and we guard it, we need to guard our spiritual identification and don't let the devil steal it from you. Our true identity as believers is based on who we are in Christ Jesus. If a person's identity is based on anything that can be lost, it's based on the wrong thing. Just think about it. Even when, maybe when you were younger, high school, you know, high school was a great experience for some and for others, not, not so much. But in high school, a lot of people base their ID on their great athletic abilities. And I won't point any fingers, but there are people that love to rehearse and rehearse how they won the city championship in the eighth grade. (laughs) He's moved on. And then there's other people that they like to talk about all this stuff they did in high school and, and their wonder, you know, their great accomplishments on the football field or whatever. And it's so funny that the older they get, the better they were. I saw a t-shirt that said that one time. I thought it was great. So, you know, people get hung up on these things. Or perhaps somebody was really, really smart in school and they were, you know, real academic. And so they base their identity on that. Or perhaps somebody, you know, was, was a cheerleader. And 50 years later, you know, wow, don't look quite the same. Things have changed. And if that's who they were and their identity was based on that, then they get lost. They get hung up on, wow, where's my value? Where's my identity? Where's my pom-pom? Where's my pom-pom? Well, I've lost my pom-pom. Oops. Not good. <laughs> but they get hung up on that. Then there's other people. And court, we're going to get to the word. This is all introduction to my series here. Then there are other people that they just talk about and they live in the past. Not about good things in their past, but things that happen to them. They get hung up on things like, I was abused. I was abandoned. I was addicted. I was an alcoholic. And we never, ever minimize terrible things that happen to people. They're real. It's a reality that people have faced a difficult times in their life. But the truth is, listen to this, what happened to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection is far greater to anything else that ever happened to us. What's wrong here? How's that? (laughs) My identity is not in my jewelry. I don't care if I have it on or not. (laughs) But I can't see to take it off. Pastor's happy about that. Anybody with young eyes? Here, see ya. You have young eyes. Undo my tight necklace. It's It's choking me anyway. Let's just say a little praise break. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you. 
Would you like that? It might look better on you anyway. What's choking me? Anyhow, to repeat this. What happened to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection is greater than anything else that has ever happened to us. We don't, and listen, the Lord, when I was studying this, the Lord gave me this. And listen to this. You might want to write it down. Don't identify with what you did or what was done to you. Identify with what he did for us. And then this other powerful statement. Don't live in your past. Live in his. Don't live in your past. Live in his. Hallelujah. Because Jesus already defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. Glory to God. If you want to live in the past, live in the past victory of what Jesus has already provided for us. Live in the past that with his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. Live in the past that he already put those stripes upon his back for our healing. The thorns and crown upon his head were for our peace. Peace, glory to God. It's already been done. Glory to God. Now let's look at the word over here in Galatians chapter 2. It's going to be kind of like our our golden text for this series. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. And I want to look at at it out of the NIV. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me the life i live in the body plus pastor talking about faith i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me look at that first phrase there i have been crucified with christ one translation says this Christ took me to the cross with him. And my old self died there with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who we used to be. The old man died with Christ. Let me ask you a question. Does a dead man have any power? You can call him names. You can kick his dog. You can make fun of his kids and you can say that his wife is ugly. But he's got no power to comment. No power to react. Why? Because he's dead. He can't respond. He can't react. We need to picture our old sin nature the same way. And tell it, you are dead. You have no right to respond when that old sin nature comes up and says you know what they did something to you you need to give them a piece of your mind your first reaction ought to be oh no i need all of my mind i'm holding on to every piece of it i'm not going to go down that road 
When that old man, when somebody, you know, rises up and they say something ugly about you and that old nature comes up and says, well, you know what? Let's just say that. Let's just get even. You ought to say, oh, no, old nature, you are dead. You do not have any right to respond. I'm not giving you any place. Hallelujah. You died on the cross with Jesus. The old man is crucified and I'm putting you under in the name of Jesus. That, and then when that, you know, sometimes that old man will rise up along with the devil and will say, remember when, remember when you did that? Remember when you went there and you said that and you acted like that? Our response ought to be, nope. That guy is dead. I got a new nature. I got a new self. I got a new identity. When you get born again, you are a brand new creation. You're such a new person that someone needs to introduce you to yourself. Because you got a brand new nature. Hallelujah. Brand new nature, brand new identity. Our identity is not in our past. It's not in people. It's not in our feelings. Our new identity comes with who I am in him. Whose I am. Who I belong to. Hallelujah. Where I'm seated and what I've got in him. Glory to God. It's good news when we think about how we look in him. What we have in him. We're going to get into it in the weeks to come. The in him realities. It'll bless your socks off if you're wearing them. And Justin, it might put socks on your feet if you're not wearing them. Hallelujah. To think about what we have in him. Glory be to God. (laughs) It's not. Our identity is not what we do or what happened to us. It's who we are. Who we are. Who we are in him. We look a lot better in Christ than we do outside of him. Paul, you know, you've heard of him, the Apostle Paul. He said this, I was crucified with Christ. And he went on to say this, just think about this. When you get born, out, born again, Paul didn't say this, but this is, a, this is an interpretation of what he said. When you get born again, you have to find out who the new I is. Not good English, but you get the point. Who the new I is. You've all heard me talk about T.L. Osborne. Maybe y'all have read some of his books. A mighty apostle of faith. Went all over the world. Holding major crusades. Led millions of people to the Lord. He grew up in a little, the little town where I grew up in. Little country boy. And God took him all over the world. Changing nations for the glory of God. But he had a revelation from the time he got born again. He had a revelation. He preached on it a lot. Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
And he made this statement. When I got born again, little I moved out and big Christ moved in. Woo, that's good, isn't it? When I got born again, little I moved out and big Christ moved in. Again, the Bible says when we get born again, our attitude ought to be, I ought to, I ought to decrease and he ought to increase. Hallelujah. Little I's going to get littler and big Jesus in me is going to get bigger every day. Hallelujah. Walking in the revelation of who lives on the inside of us. So think of it like this. And again, this isn't good English, but you get the point. When you get born again, I defeated, moved out. He, victory, moved in. I, depressed, moved out. He, joy, moved in. I, sick, moved out. He, healer, moved in. How about this one? I broke, moved out. He prosperous, moved in. You might like this one. When we get born again, I worried and anxious, moved out. He peace, woo, moved in. Glory to God. Little I moved out and big Jesus moved in. All that he is. All that he has came to abide on the inside of us. That's why the Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's our identity. Our identity is the greater one lives in me. You can't get any more important than that. To be a carrier of the greater one. The son of the living God. God the father. God the Holy Ghost are living in me. Woo! That adds a new value to who you are. You're a carrier. You're the temple of God. Of the Holy Ghost. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not important, that you are nothing. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. You are worthy of the blood, the precious blood that was shed just for you. So it's a reality. When we get born again, the old eye is dead. He's died. He's buried and he's raised up and seated together with Christ. Let's look over at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. <clears throat> Read you some more scripture here. Hallelujah! You know, this may be familiar teaching to all of us, but it is so good to remind ourselves who we really are. Too many people and even Christians... Go through an identity crisis. We don't need to have an identity crisis when we're wrapped up in Jesus' love for us. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Or do I not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. 
we died with him on the cross. Therefore, verse four, we were buried with him through the baptism into death. But just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so also should we walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> Even if this temple, this body, it goes the way of the grave. Jesus tarries his coming and we die in the natural. We're not going to be dead. We're not going to stay dead. Hallelujah. There's a resurrection coming. Hallelujah. There's a day coming when Jesus is going to come to catch away his church. There's a day coming when the trump will be sounded. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air. Woo-hoo-hoo. Talk about a resurrection. I've often thought about it like, Lord, you know, it'd be so cool to know when you're coming. I'd like to go to a little cemetery in Roston, Oklahoma and sit between my parents' grave. Woo! Just to see them come up from the grave. Jesus arose up from the grave. Our loved ones are going to rise. Hallelujah. Resurrection power lives on the inside of us. Well, glory. Verse six. Knowing this. That our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. You know what? We will never know what true living is until we die. Till we die to the deeds of the body and of the flesh. Jesus, this tells us, he conquered sin for us. Certainly we can and we do still sin, but sin is not our Lord. Hallelujah. Because of the work that we're just reading about, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he stole the keys of death, hell, and the grave, then it means that sin cannot rule and reign over us. Certainly we're going to miss it, but when we do, we have an advocate. We got first John one nine that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And we're right back in right standing with him because of the power of the blood. That's who lives on the inside of us. But there's this powerful phrase that started out this whole uh, passage of scripture that our old man was crucified with him. Think of it. Have you ever had, you ever uh, had a family p- photo or something, or a group picture of people, friends, and you get this picture on your phone now, that's where we get them, or, or your iPad or whatever, and isn't it, it's just human nature. What is the first thing that we do when we've been in a group picture? We look to see ourselves. <laughs> Just admit it. You do it too. The first thing we look for is ourselves. And then we go, yep, 
that's me. I was there. Well, this is telling us on that day when Jesus' precious blood was shed for us. His life poured out for us. We were there. Brother Copeland sings this old gospel hymn. When he died on the cross, we were on his mind. He looked down through the quarters of time when he was hanging on the cross. He saw your face, Helen. He saw your face, Paul. He saw your face, Jean. And he said, I'm doing this for them. And all their wrongdoings, all their sins are being nailed to this cross. Their old nature is being crucified with me right now. And I'm giving them a brand new life. And it's not just for a a select few. Jesus loves the world. God so loved the world. He gave Jesus. Not to perfect people. He gave Jesus to the world. To you. To me. To sinners. And all we have to do is call on the name of the Lord. And our identity is changed. When he was on the cross, we were on his mind. Oh, how he loves us. We were crucified with him. Now let's look at another precious scripture that just drives this point home even more. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That term there, reconciled, comes from the root word reckon. It's an accounting term. What do people do when they're trying to get their books in order? They have to reconcile their books. You know, an accountant, he doesn't change the figures. Or he shouldn't if he's not crooked. (laughs) The accountant is supposed to look at what's already there and reconcile it so it makes sense. This says that we were reconciled to God. What does this tell us? That heaven reveals and reconciles what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. We've been reconciled. Hallelujah. We've been made right. We've been made justified. Hallelujah. One preacher used to say justified means just as if I never sinned. Glory to God justified by what Jesus did for us. He did the work. He paid the price. The books of heaven reveal we are reconciled to God. He took our sin. He took our sickness. 
He took our torment. Legally, we've already been delivered. That's good news. Good news. And now I've got some awesome news for you. Our old man didn't just die. That's good not to have the old man living, the sin nature living. But we became a new creation in Christ. Can you handle a couple more scriptures? Oh, yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 19 in the Amplified. Oh, no, actually, we'll look at it in the New King James, sorry. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And then I like verse 18 too. Now all things are of God. There's this word reconciled again. Who has reconciled us to himself. Woo! God created man in his likeness and in his image. Sin separated his precious creation from him. But Jesus, his only begotten son, was willing to lay down his life, leave his home in glory, and come down here. And he's the one who reconciled us to God through Jesus Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what our message ought to be? You know what the best witnessing tool is? To tell people God's not mad at you. God's not out to get you. God's not putting sickness and disease on you. Our best witnessing tool ought to be what Jesus did for us. He reconciled us. To the father. He said I'll come. I'll show you my love. That's what we need to tell people. God loves you. I like something that Keith Hershey said. God's not mad at you. God's mad about you. Hallelujah. He's madly in love with you. That's a message. The gospel. This gospel which we preach. What is it called? Good news. This gospel that we preach is not called bad news. It's not called condemned news. Not called I'm going to judge you news. It's called good news. And good news is God's not mad at you. God loves you. So not only did Jesus reconcile us to God. We're supposed to be reconciling the world. To him. Doesn't it say up there? Every believer. We got the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 confirms it. That is that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us. He said ministry. And now he says the word of reconciliation. So when we get born again, not only did our old man die, but we become brand new on the inside. The Greek word for new means this, unheard of before. Listen to this. It means new in quality or kind. A man in Christ is a new kind of man, a new breed or a new species 
that never existed before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God didn't just repair our sin nature. God made us brand new. Brand new creations. We're not just a forgiven sinner. We are a creation of new kind of life. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome news? Now listen to that same passage in the Amplified. I like it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Amplified. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah... He's a new creation, a new creature all together. The old, previous, moral, spiritual condition. What happened to it? Nailed to the cross, has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Glory to God. Isn't that great? The fresh and the new has come you and I are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that's our identity that's your identification somebody comes up to you well who do you think you are I know who I am well what makes you say that and don't be haughty about it just say hey you know what I'm a born again believer so I know who I am I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Hallelujah. We're not unworthy worms. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Now I know that people often in life, we mentioned it earlier, go through periods where they have like identity crisis. I, you know, we're not judging people, but there's been, I've heard at times when mothers leave their family, leave their small children because they have to go find themselves. They don't know who they are anymore. Or dads just can't be a dad anymore because, you know, they got to go play with their toys. They have an identity crisis. They go through a midlife, what do they call it? Midlife crisis. Because they forget who they are. They leave their responsibilities to go try to find themselves. People will never find themselves out there doing funky, hokey things out in the world. Nobody will really know who they truly are till they come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor talked about it in the, many, the beginning of this service, you know, about we got places to go and praying and things. And it reminded me, which I'm going to close with the scripture. I, did, I didn't give you all this one. It's Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You might know somebody right now that's out searching and seeking. Maybe they're not saying they're in an identity crisis, but think about this young generation, the millennials. Think about it. So many of them, they're, they're running from this job to that job and they just can't get settled, you know, in a relationship here and there. Just crazy because they're searching. They're trying to find their identity. But the Bible tells us this. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I don't know if y'all can pull it up in the NIV. Otherwise, I'll read it in the New King James. But we, if you could pull it up in the NIV, that would be awesome. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know I wasn't going to do that, but I felt prompted. Amen. For I know the plans. That sounds assured. Yeah. 
I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It could just as well say, I know who you are. I've got you covered. You were born for a purpose. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How many times have you heard that? I don't have any hope. What's the point? What's the point of of furthering my education? What's the point of getting a career? You know, the world's just gone to hell in a handbasket anyway. No, God says, I got good plans for you. I'm going to give you hope and a future. How do we tap into this? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's found in verse 12. Can we pull verse 12 up? This is how we tap in to those plans. Verse 12 of this same chapter. Then you will call upon me. Come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Pastor was talking about a face-to-face relationship with him. Come to him. Draw close to him. It's in his presence that we get strength. We get renewed. It's also in his presence that we tap into our future. We, he said, I'm going to give you hope. And a future. If you'll call upon me. If you'll pray in the Holy Ghost. We get in our prayer closets. We pray things out. And then after we pray them out. We go and walk them out. That's how it happens. That's how we know. His plans for us. That's how we find out. Our true identity. Amen.